Turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to read, there are, four, there are 16 verses, and I want to read these verses and then speak briefly about the theme, there remaineth a rest for the people of God. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief, again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if, and many of your Bibles say Jesus here, the word Jesus and Joshua are so very much alike. The translators placed the name Jesus when it should be Joshua. And you'll see that in the context. For if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing you into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and the marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we think of the theme, there remaineth a rest for the people of God. We need to remember that that term rest is used in several different ways in the scripture. In verse 1, the word rest refers to salvation. In verse 9, that, ver that word rest refers to heaven. In verse 11, that ver word rest refers to the abundant life. And we won't talk about that for a few moments. As we think of this, in order to get it just before our hearts and minds, let me just give you a five-point outline, and I hope I can get finished tonight. Number one, faith claims the rest. There remains a rest for the people of God. And I want to talk about that in just a moment or two. Faith claims that rest. Number two, 
the rest is available right now. Number three, unbelief limits that rest. Number four, the Word of God promises that rest. And number five, the high priest assures that rest. Now what rest are we talking about? When the Jewish people were led by Moses out of the land of Egypt, they were restless. God covered them with a fire by night and a cloud by day. They came to the Red Sea and crossed the Red Sea on dry land. It is 11 days journey from the Red Sea to Kadesh Barnea and into the promised land. But God did not lead them that way because they were not prepared for war. He led them through the wilderness and then they came to Kadesh Barnea. God said, I have given you this land. It is yours. It is your birthright. I've promised it to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and on and on. And it is yours. Go in and possess it. But they were afraid. They had faith failure. They sent in 12 spies and 10 of them came back and said, we can't do it. There are walled cities and we're like grasshoppers in their presence. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, we're well able to do it. God said it is our land. We can go in and possess it. <clears throat> but they listened to the major report. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. At the end of that 40 years, because of Moses' disobedience at the rock, when he struck the rock the second time, God said, Moses, you cannot enter. You cannot lead the people of God into the promised land. But that man that has been at your right hand all these years, he can do it. And so Moses died in the mountains of Nebo and God buried him. And Joshua, that young man, he's called the son of Nun, led the people of Israel down on the, other, the east side of the Jordan River. They paused there and prayed. Then they crossed the Jordan River on dry land. And when they got over there, Joshua said, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And they set themselves to take over Canaan. Now Canaan was an example or a symbol of God's rest. Before that there was no rest. There was restlessness. But by faith, they did what the generation before them did not do. By faith, they entered into Canaan and they conquered the land. Now, the term rest refers to our salvation in Christ. Faith claims that rest. The Bible says the wicked are like the troubled sea. They cast up muck and mire. Before we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we're restless. There's a restlessness inside. We may not always identify it with what it is. We may think, well, it's void or there's something missing or we don't understand. And we fill our lives with all kinds of things until we hear the word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And God's Holy Spirit begins to stir our hearts to faith. And we begin to want that rest that is in Christ. That is the rest from sin. When we give our hearts to Christ, we have salvation. But salvation is in three tenses. We are saved 
from the penalty of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're saved, you're saved from the penalty of sin, you're not going to hell. Now I'm not talking about superficial professors. I'm not talking people about people that have some kind of an experience but are never really born again. I'm talking about born again people. That faith claims that rest and it embraces that rest promise with faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Romans says it begins in faith, it continues in faith, it ends in faith. It's from faith to faith that's salvation. The second tense of salvation, we are being saved from the very power of sin. You don't have to do it any longer. You can, but it makes you miserable, makes you disturbed. You don't have to cuss anymore. You don't have to drink anymore. You don't have to smoke anymore. You don't have to go back to the old ways anymore. You don't have to go and dance your night away. You don't have to do all those old things anymore. You just don't have to. You can. But it'll disturb your heart. It'll make you a dwarfed Christian. Because you're being saved from the very power of sin. Sin therefore shall no longer have dominion or power over you. For you're not under the law but under grace. Before we were saved we were under the law of sin. Since we're saved we're under the law of grace. You don't have to do it. It's like the little boy that took all morning to catch a bird, a little sparrow. He finally caught it. He went down his, the street with the sparrow in his hand and, and some guy came along and said, fellow, what have you got? He said, I've got a little bird. And the man said, well, that bird ought to be free. You don't want to keep him caged up like that. He'll be miserable. Oh, the boy said, I, 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 I took all morning to catch him. I'm not going to let him go. And the man thought a minute, and he reached in his pocket and took out a dollar. He said, would you sell me that little bird for a dollar? The boy looked at his bird and looked at the dollar. The dollar looked better than the bird. And he opened his hand and gave the man the bird, and the man gave the boy the dollar. Now the man held the little bird out, and his, finger, his feathers were all clumped down, and his wings were all down, and he was afraid and scared to death. And the man said, you're free. You're not in a cage anymore. You're not caught anymore. You're free. And the little bird just sat there. Finally, he touched his feathers. And the little bird flew away, free. Now, that's a picture of you and me. Before we're saved, we're caught in the shackles of sin. But when we give our heart to Christ, there's a perfect rest that comes. You're no longer under bondage. You're no longer under the law of sin and death. You're free in Christ. And faith claims that rest. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The second thing we want to read in this passage is that the rest is available right now. Look in verses 3 to 8. For we which have believed do enter into the rest. Right now. He said, As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Now here's an illustration of how you're saved. You're not saved by your works. 
You're not saved by how good you are or how many good things you do. We're not more saved because we met in church here tonight and sang all these beautiful songs. Thank God for it. We sing them because we are saved. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow and I know he cares for me. We can enter into that rest right now. I'm talking about eternal rest. You see, when we're saved, we receive eternal life. That isn't something we receive when we die. It is something we get when we get saved. Eternal life abides within us. And that rest is the rest that God gives us. Now we can choose to go back in the world. We can choose to have our hearts all charged with superfluity and all the things that the world gives and all the worries and anxieties. I appreciate the illustration Brother Chris gave a moment ago of how God can meet needs. A lot of times those needs are not met because we worry and fret and toss and we're just, we rob ourselves of that rest. Ladies and gentlemen, the rest of God is available right now. It isn't something you're gonna get later, it is here now. Sometimes we sing, this is like heaven to me. I've crossed over Jordan and I'm in Canaan's land and this is like heaven to me. Well, we don't know all that heaven will be, but we have a foretaste of it from now, from time to time. One of the stanzas of that song, oh, what a foretaste of glory. <laughs> have you enjoyed the foretaste of glory? Are you enjoying it? Are you, have you entered into his rest? That rest is available. That rest is equivalent to abundant life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The abundant life is available. Now the abundant life is something that comes as we fix our eyes on Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Somebody said, if you're going to be a good golfer, you have to learn to keep your eye on the ball. If you're going to go be a good batter, you have to keep your eye on the ball. If you're going to be a great Christian, you have to keep your eye on the Son, the Son of righteousness who has risen with healing in His wing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And so that rest is possible for us now. God doesn't want us to fret and toss and worry and be all afraid all the time. He wants us to have quietness and peace before Him. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray Thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray Thee, Lord, my soul to take. Many of us were taught that little prayer when we were children. Well, it's a good prayer for adults. I don't think that's the only kind of praying we ought to do. But it ought to be the kind of praying that we say, Lord, I place myself totally in your hand. I'm not afraid to go to sleep, afraid I'll die. I'm trusting you. My eternal life began the day I was saved. I went to my grandmother's funeral. She was a godly Methodist. She would go out and when she couldn't afford, well, in those days, that I don't know whether they had florists or not, but she'd go out in the fields and gather wildflowers every Sunday to take them to church and put them on the communion table. She was there all the time, every time the door opened. And then she got sick and she died. 
83 years old. I was at her funeral. It was across the street from where we had lived in her old house, which was built in 1830. The preacher talked about her being in heaven. And I knew in my heart if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven. There was a restlessness. I didn't know what to do about it. I went back to Louisville and I went to a Methodist church that had a, had a altar, a mourner's bench. And I went down to the mourner's bench. I didn't know what to do. Nobody came along to tell me what to do. I just knelt there and after a while I got up and went back to my seat just as lost as I had been before because there was nobody to tell me what to do. I was on a train going to Florida a little, by, little while later and a Jewish lady named Phyllis Sokol, they called me Pete in those days, said, Pete, are you a Christian? I had to say, no, I'm not. Well, she didn't go much further, at least I don't remember it. But she wrote a letter to a preacher back in Louisville. And when I got back to Louisville, this preacher came to see me. And he showed me from the Bible how to be saved. But you see, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. And that day at the home, I didn't receive Christ. I rejected him. I cannot understand to this day why I didn't ask Christ into my heart that day. But I began to go to church and listen to his preaching. And he would preach and a little bony finger would stick out. And in those days, the ladies wore big broad brim hats and I'd try to hide behind one of those hats. Every time, you know how people are, they squirm in church, they sit here a little while and they sit over here a little while and they move around. And I did all that right behind that woman because I was afraid he was going to see me. He didn't even know I was there, but God's Holy Spirit did. And that finger was always landing on my heart. One Sunday night, I was sitting on this side of the church. And when we came to the invitation, I said, Lord, I want to be saved. But I'm afraid of all these people. And Jesus said, Richard, if you'll take the first step, I'll go with you the rest of the way. And that night I took a step, and I was saved on the way down the aisle. When I got to the front, I told the preacher I was giving my heart to Jesus. There came a rest. Later in the invitation services, I didn't have that same restlessness. And God began to show me that I was in Him, in Christ. There were many things I didn't understand at the time. Thank God for good teachers through the years who have helped me, and you've helped me so much. And I've learned so much from young people and in their commitment to the Lord. I've learned so much from this great people at Glendale Baptist Church. As we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. And I want to tell you that abundant life is available right now. You don't have to go out and cuss and swear and snort and chew and drink like the others do. You don't have to do that. You're free from it. You're liberated from it. If you're saved, if Christ is in your heart, you have a rest from the way the world lives. Thirdly, unbelief limits that rest. Look in verses 9 to 11. There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God, for he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest at any time, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now the rest that he's talking about here is the abundant life. And he says, we need to be careful 
lest we allow the cares of this world and all of its affections and all of its counterfeits to wrap its fingers around our spiritual life and let us lead us down to a dwarfed, pygmy kind of spiritual life. Unbelief limits that rest. Now you think about the people of God coming out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. I don't know whether they did it because of their faith or Moses' faith, but God let them do it. They came to Kadesh Barnea, they had faith failure. All that generation died in the wilderness, but there was a younger generation, and Caleb and Joshua, 85 years old, when that wandering was over, they came down to the Jordan, and by faith they crossed the Jordan. Faithlessness can do a lot of damage to our lives. Just like there are some things that can damage our health lives, it was a tragedy to learn that the driver of the princess car was drunk. What a tragedy. I wondered where the secret service agents were, if they have any in England. They would allow that to happen. Drinking hurts you. Smoking hurts you. Debauchery hurts you. Unfaithfulness in your marriage vows, that hurts you. And on and on we could go. Faith and the rest is limited by our unbelief. You know, if we can utterly believe God, all things are possible. The choir sings often, nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. Nothing is impossible. All things are possible to him that believeth. Those are the words of Jesus. And you and I live as, as little pygmies, poverty-stricken, because we don't claim the great promises of God. The scripture says, the cattle of a thousand hills is mine. And we claim one hamburger at a time. When all of it belongs to us. Everything that God has is the believers. But if we don't believe him, we don't have it. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. And when we pray. How often our prayers are canceled by our unbelief? I don't have time to develop that any further, but oh, listen. The rest is the birthright. You have a birthright tonight. There remaineth a rest for the people of God, and it's right here and now. You don't have to wait till heaven. It is available now, but unbelief limits that rest. But there's something else. In verse 12 and 13, the Word of God, look what it does. The Word of God promises that rest. For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now you listen to this. Where do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How do you increase faith? You just read this book.
Isn't that wonderful? That's the medicine. That's the prescription. You want to get well from some kind of sickness you've got? You go to the doctor, he gives you a prescription, you go take that prescription. And little by little you get well. You may not even notice it every day. It may take you several days to get to feeling good. But after a while you discover, well, the doctor knew what he was told me. He gave me the right medicine and I feel better. You take this book and begin to read it. Your faith will grow. Your faith will grow. Your faith will grow. But when we leave it off, we become pygmy Christians. Last of all, the high priest assures this rest. Now listen to it a minute. Beginning in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The high priest, he's over there standing in the presence of God. The Trinity is a wonderful doctrine in the Scripture. We don't understand it. We just have to accept it. How do you describe a Trinity? Well, sort of like this. Chris is the son of his dad. He's the husband of his wife. He's the father of his little girl and boy. One person, three offices. That's the way with God. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Now, God the Father is at the throne. God the Son came to earth, died on the cross for our sins, and then went back to the glory and seated at the right hand of the Father. And he makes intercession daily for those of us who believe. That's the reason the high priest gives us the victory here for that rest, because he stands daily before God interceding for you and me. But thirdly, the Spirit of God, the precious Holy Spirit, lives in our heart. And He prompts us. And He moves upon us. And He works upon us. Until He leads us across the dry deserts of earth. Safely into God's kingdom. There remaineth a rest for the kingdom of God, for the people of God. Well, the ultimate rest is heaven. How wonderful to know we're on our way to heaven. I appreciate what some have said tonight in their testimonies. I was saved over 25 years ago. I do not know when Jesus will take me, but I'm ready. And sometimes I'm a little bit homesick for over there. You just think of the home over there. <laughs> Friends will be there I've loved long ago. Joy like a river all around me will flow. Yet just a smile from the Savior I know will through the ages be glory for me. Yes, you'll see mother and daddy and grandpa and grandpa and your ancestors and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Paul and Matthew and all the others. But best of all, we'll see Jesus. Dr. Lee was dying. He preached in this pulpit 16 years, 16 different years. He came to preach at our place. He was dying. Billy Graham and Bev Shea and Cliff Barrels came to see him. Bev Shea began to sing, How Great Thou Art. Dr. Lee was in a coma. They thought he was going to be gone in a little while. Hildreth, his daughter, came in just to observe. And all of a sudden, Dr. Lee's eyes opened. 
And Billy went over and stood next to him and knelt down and Dr. Lee's arms were placed around Billy Graham and he prayed for Billy. And then he released that embrace and looked up and he said, Hildreth, do you see the light? Hey, look at that light. Papa, what light? I don't see it. Oh, look, it's beautiful. And look, there is Jesus. And look, Hildreth, there's Mama. She's there waiting. Hildreth, I preached about heaven for over 60 years, and I never told half of it. It's beautiful. He closed his eyes in death. Heaven is wonderful. And you and I who know the Lord are on their way to heaven. I am bound for the promised land. Now I want to ask you, are you bound for that land? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you have him in your heart? Is he really yours? And if he is, have you already entered into that rest? Are you enjoying being a Christian or is it a drag to you? You enjoy coming and hear the songs and singing the songs or is it just something you wish you could get over real quick so we can go home and watch TV? Are you enjoying the Lord? There remaineth a rest for the people of God. May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the truth of this scripture that salvation is the rest from restlessness. That the abundant life is the rest that helps us enjoy being a Christian. That heaven is the ultimate conclusion and climax of that rest where we'll be with him forever. Have thine own way in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. What please? 361. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. It's wonderful to have the birthright of being a believer, being a Christian, and knowing that Jesus lives inside. If you do not know that tonight, if you're not sure you're saved, let me encourage you to come to Christ just as you are. Don't try to get better first. Just come. If the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart about any matter, and you sense his dealing with you, come, come. And whatever God has said to you, don't put it off. That passage in Hebrews reminds us, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Will you come to Jesus? Do what God tells you to do while we sing.